0: It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. Sarah Falks loves the sense of accomplishment she feels every time she finishes a quilt. A couple of years ago, she started Snugglebug Stitching to make custom quilts. On her blog, she offers great advice, and it's also where you can find her wonderful quilt patterns she has available. Sarah, thank you for being on A Quilter's Life. Thank you for having me, Paula. Uh-huh, it's so good to have you here. Let's start with, where were you born and raised? So I was born in Florence, Alabama, which is in the northwest
1: corner of Alabama, and I was raised in that same county in one of the little communities around Florence called Green Hill. You said it was a little town? Yeah, I lived in a small community near Florence. Florence is not a huge town. It's not terribly small, but I lived in one of the surrounding communities. Mm -hmm. It's grown a
0: lot since I've left, but... It was pretty small when I was there. (laughs) Do you have a special childhood memory of growing up there? When I was younger, I played youth league softball. My dad was always the coach. I was probably about
1: eight or nine when this happened. But on the days that we had games, I was supposed to stay inside. One, to not get hurt. And two, because he didn't want me tired on the day of the games. I was the catcher for my softball team. So I stayed with my grandmother during the day while my parents were at work and some of my cousins lived really close to my grandmother's house. And one of those, he was the cousin that was closest to my age. So, you know, he was probably one of my cousins that I spent the most time with. Well, my grandmother had a lot of property. She had water on her property. She had a lot of woods, just a fun place to play. So I went outside, even though I wasn't supposed to, to play with one of my cousins. And I decided that I needed to ride a scooter. His sidewalk went downhill into... A big driveway. So I was gonna ride that scooter down. And when I got to the end, I made a sharp turn. And I was also holding something. So this was you know, a bad idea. And um it didn't go well. I wiped out and uh, I was so skinned up. And he said, Well we need to go tell granny and I was like, no don't tell granny. I'm not supposed to be outside and I'll get in trouble. And I said, Do you have any peroxide? Because you know my parents would always pour peroxide on you know on scrapes when I was younger. You know that people thought that was the thing to do then. He's like, I don't have any peroxide, but I have rubbing alcohol. And he said, and I have that pink stuff that they always paint on scrapes. It was that morthylate came in a little dropper and it would stain your skin pink and it burned like crazy on the scrapes. And your parents always put that on their kids' scrapes in the 80s. So he poured probably a half a bottle of rubbing alcohol on these scrapes that I had on my elbows and my knees. He's like, well, let's put this pink stuff on because that's what my mama does. like We were like eight or nine. And, of course, all that hurt a lot, but I didn't want to confess that I wasn't minding. Of course, I got caught, you know, because that stuff stains your skin pink. So my mom's like, what? Why do you have that on there? So I had to confess what I'd done. and I thought I was going to be in so much trouble. And my parents just, you know, they just laughed at me and they're like, did that not hurt? I'm like, well, you know, the pink stuff didn't hurt as much when he did it because he put a lot of alcohol on it. (laughs) So when you ask that question, that's one of the first things that come to mind is like, all the fun stuff we did as a kid, all the stupid stuff you do as a kid. So um, I think you can still get that pink stuff, that methylate, but
0: I would not do that to my kids. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. What a fun memory to have. I bet you reminisce with that cousin a lot over it. I do. (laughs) (laughs) So did you have a lot of family in the area? I did. Both of my parents were
1: from that same area they actually went to the same high school. They were a couple years apart, but they actually went to the same high school. So most of my family still lived in that area as well as my parents' cousins. So I had a lot of first cousins and a lot of second cousins
0: and aunts and uncles all in that same area. Nice. Is there anything else you want to share about family? Just I had a large family on both
1: sides and it was nice. I had a lot of cousins that were close to my age. And we all went to the same school. And I had some cousins that were older than me as well. So it was, it was nice growing up in an area with a lot of your family around. Mm-hmm. How about your family now? So most of them still live in Lauderdale County. And you know, I live in Huntsville. So I'm, I'm only about an hour and a half east of them. So they're not as close to me as they used to be. But we still have big family gatherings. Well, as much as you can with everything that's going on in the world right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we're still really close. Nice. Well, besides quilting, do you have a career? I do. I am currently working as
1: the nurse at a high school. And my daughter goes to the high school that I work at. My son will go there when he gets old enough to be in high school. Also, the school that we are zoned for... My daughter could come with me even if we weren't zoned for. But it's also the school that we're zoned for. So it's only about five minutes down the road from my house. So
0: that's nice to have a short commute. Hmm. Sounds like you could walk if you had to. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> so what moved you away from your family home and moved you over to Huntsville?
1: So my husband was in the Air Force. And after he got out of the Air Force, he went to college to be an engineer. And Huntsville, I don't know how familiar people are with the area, but Huntsville is one of the places in the Southeast that has a lot of engineer jobs. There's a military base that employs a lot of civilian workers. And so there's just quite a few engineers in this area. And with his Air Force experience working for the Army as a civilian worker, he kind of had an edge getting into that. So we moved to Huntsville based on his job. You know, having lived where we lived, shopping in Huntsville was pretty common growing up. So we were familiar with the drive to Huntsville and it's only around an hour and a half, but just makes for a really long commute. And neither one of us wanted to do the live in one county and drive an hour and a half away every day
0: for work kind of thing. So we just moved here for his job. Yeah. Yeah. Besides quilting, are there other crafts you have done or that you do? When I was younger, I did, and I still do some, I did some
1: cross stitching. Nothing elaborate, just like the little make ornaments for the Christmas tree or make bookmarks kind of thing. And I had an aunt who was really good at crocheting, and she tried to teach me to crochet, and I did pretty well with single chains. Then every time I tried to do more than one chain, it would curl up and I'd get frustrated. I've thought about picking that back up, but... I just enjoy quilting so much that it's kind of hard to make myself stop that to try to learn something else. I do a lot of DIY stuff and and some of that's not necessarily a hobby so much as just necessity. We have been remodeling our house and my husband, he's an engineer, but he also knows how to build things. He'll design stuff and build it. So there's a lot of, he builds the furniture, I paint it. So not necessarily, yeah. So, I mean, I do a lot of DIY stuff. But quilting is the one that I find enjoyable. The other DIY stuff is more just out of necessity. We always say we're going to buy some furniture. We're just going to buy the furniture and we're not going to make it ourselves. But then we can't find it we like, so we end up having to go that route instead. I think we've always, both of us really have kind of always been, I guess, DIYers, but quilting is the one that I actually enjoy. I've sewn a few clothes, like little toddler dresses for my niece and things like that. But I usually say, well, I don't do clothes It's quilts. Yeah, <laughs> How about other hobbies? I enjoy being outside, walking outside, running outside. I've always, probably since I was a teenager, often on enjoyed exercise in different forms. You know, the forms change as I get older. And you know, sometimes I want to do yoga, sometimes I want to walk, sometimes I want to run, sometimes I want to ride my bike. So I enjoy being outside. That's kind of a little bit of a conflict of interest because sewing keeps me inside a lot. And sometimes I just can't stop myself. I have to stop and go outside. Yeah. Right now it's really cold in
0: Alabama, so
1: it's easier to resist now.
0: <laughs> While you were talking there, I was thinking about, you said you were in Little League as an early elementary. Did that carry through school? So I played Little League until I was probably 15 or 16.
1: I did play on the school team. So when I was in seventh grade, the seventh graders could try out for the junior varsity team. I think it was seventh through ninth grade when I tried out. And I did try out for the team and I did make the team. But they played slow pitch softball to where I was used to fast pitch. And I did not enjoy that change of pace. So I didn't play on the school team for very long. And by the time they had gotten to where they were doing fast pitch softball, I was already Of course, I finished the seasons that I started. My parents would not allow me to quit in the middle of the season. But once they started having the fast-pitch softball versus slow-pitch, I was already in the upper grades and had found other interests. I'd started being in the band, and I really enjoyed that. You got to go a lot of places in the band at school. So I did a lot of stuff (laughs) when I was in school. What instrument did you play? I played the saxophone. One of my cousins, who was older than me, played the
0: saxophone. And I always just thought it sounded pretty. So I chose the saxophone. Oh, neat. Well, I have the question, do your other hobbies somehow show up in your quilting? I think it it may actually be the opposite for me a
1: little bit. I found that quilting kind of shows up in other things. It doesn't really make sense. So I had a client once that asked me if I could quilt strawberries. Well, I didn't even know that I was capable of drawing strawberries, but I said, well, I'll give it a try. I'll show you samples of what I try. And if you like it, then we'll put strawberries on this quilt that you want. So I was quilting these strawberries free motion and they actually looked pretty good. But I didn't even realize that that was something that I was capable of. And so after that, I was trying to draw them and I realized, well, I can draw this. (laughs) So I never really thought of myself as somebody who could draw well. And I probably still can't, but some of the things that I've tried to quilt first and then go back and draw them, I find it easier
0: to draw it after I've quilted it. Interesting. It is. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been fun when that light bulb went on. If it, it, was, it was different. <laughs> Tell me about who introduced you to quilting. So both of my grandmothers
1: off of both sides of my family quilted. My grandmother off my mom's side, she passed away with cancer before I was born. So I never really got to work on any quilts with her and didn't really know until later on that she was a quilter. I knew she had been sewing a lot, you know, all of her life because my mom sews, but I didn't really know that my grandmother made that many quilts. My other grandmother made a lot of quilts and seeing her quilts is what made me interested in quilting. And we actually worked on a few quilts
0: together when I was younger,
1: probably middle school and high school is when we worked on those.
0: Wow, what a great memory. It is. (laughs) Real blessing. Do you have a favorite quilt? That's
1: actually a hard one because I, I would have to say there's probably some favorites, but as far as one favorite, of the favorites, they're all in that spot for different reasons. So, of course, I have the two that I worked on with my grandmother. And those are not as good because I did some of the work. You can tell in the quilts, the part that she did looks a lot better <laughs> than the parts that I worked on. But just the idea that I made those with my grandmother. So those definitely have spots in the favorites. And then there's a couple others that I made. There's one, I don't keep a lot of my quilts. They either get given away or sold. So there's one that I made specifically to go with my living room colors, and I wanted to have that in the living room available for people who wanted a quilt while they were watching TV, that kind of thing. So that's probably the one, I guess, that that makes a favorite spot because it it gets a lot of love at our house. That one gets used a lot. My son, he's 10 now, he loves it. He says it's his quilt. He's (laughs) taking it with him when he moves out of the house. It's going on his dorm room bed in college. I'm like, well, it's kind of a girly quilt. I mean, it's pinwheels and flowers. He's like, I don't care. It's my quilt. (laughs) So that's got a spot in my favorites. Another favorite one that I made was actually, it was an Irish chain. And my decorations in the house, I like stark white paint on the furniture. I don't really like the beiges and creams as much in the decorations I use in the house. But this quilt does have a lot of beiges and cream colors for the background on the Irish chain. And it's a scrappy background. And I had a client ask me to make them a star quilt and they chose a pattern and they chose the layer cakes and they wanted it a little bit bigger than the pattern actually directed. So I knew I was going to have a lot of squares left. So I thought, well, these squares would be perfect to go in an Irish chain. So I made those and I cut the blocks to be, you know, the most efficient use I could possibly have of these leftover layer cake squares and the foreground, the chain part of the quilt I was only able to cut four blocks from that. So the little side strips, I used those to make a scrappy binding. And even though I've never really liked the off-whites and creams, once I used that in a quilt, I realized that combination with the foreground colors were like a blue and green and and grayish colors. That color combination, I just found that combination to be so soothing. And I even thought about keeping that quilt for myself, but then somebody saw it before it was finished and it got bought before it was finished. So I didn't keep it. (laughs) And then I've looked at that fabric line and discontinued. It would kind of be hard to try to recreate that one. That's probably one of my other favorites of the ones I've made.
0: Wow. Yeah, I just heard that blue is a real calming color.
1: I do use blue and greens as far as like, if I'm picking out the colors myself, those tend to show up a lot. Those are some of my favorite colors using quilts. Of course, a lot of the stuff I make, I didn't pick the colors. If I have a lot of custom orders coming up, and it doesn't take that many to fill up for me since i have worked in somewhere else as well. But um, if you were to look at my Instagram feed, the colors are all over the place. Just because so many of the things I made weren't chosen by me. I didn't pick the colors on a lot of them. But it's fun working with other people's color patterns. It's kind of neat to swap it around, mix it up, and use different colors. Neat.
0: When you're quilting, do you have a tool that you're just so happy that you have?
1: I do. I guess it doesn't technically qualify as a tool. I had mentioned earlier that my husband designs stuff and builds stuff. So for Christmas this year, he actually designed a sewing cabinet for me. He measured the cutout himself. And so my machine is recessed down into the cabinet so that it's level with the table. And there's a side table that goes with it that I can use it for a cutting station. It supports the weight of the quilt. And that is probably one of my favorite tools. It makes it so much easier to free motion quilt in a sewing cabinet. And my mom has always had a sewing cabinet when I was growing up. I kind of thought it was silly, you know, why do you need that? Can't you just put it on a table? But <laughs> having one myself, I'm like, okay, I see. This is it's really helpful. And so that's probably my favorite tool. And then I've also got right behind that table. There's a pegboard that I actually painted green myself and. My husband trimmed it out in like, that's probably window trimming. It's a great place to hang rulers and my rotary cutter and scissors and have it all right in front of me
0: while I'm sewing. Wow, that's a great idea. Now with the quilting process, do you like each step or do you like one part of the process more than others? So
1: I like all the steps, except I really don't, I really don't like basting. I have gotten to where I do not mind basting as much, but that's probably, if I'd have to say I don't like a step of it, that would be the step that I don't like. I do enjoy designing quilts, especially since I've been trying to write patterns. So when I get fabric now, I feel like, well, I need to write a pattern to go with this. I don't need to get somebody (laughs) else's, which of course makes it a lot harder to get anything made. But I do enjoy designing quilts. The piecing is fun. And I like to do the binding, but probably my favorite part is the quilting because there's so many different things you can do with it. But at the same time, it's very soothing. Once you decide what you're going to do, there's not a lot of thinking. It's autopilot. It's almost like the relaxing part of it. And I feel like that's also the part that gives the quilt the most character.
0: Do you do other special things with your
1: binding? So I've tried a lot of methods for binding. My favorite binding method, it's sort of a hybrid method between using your backing as binding and making the binding. So I do oftentimes in that one use scrappy binding. You sew the binding together and instead of ironing it over, basically it becomes an extension of the quilt. This quilt's already squared off and quilted. It becomes an extension of the quilt. And then at that point, you can just flip it over similar to how you would do if you use your backing as binding. I really don't like using backing as binding myself. I think it looks good when other people do it. I just don't like to do that because I like to bury my thread. I don't like to do the double stitches because I'm always, I guess it's one of my neurotic quilting fears. I'm always afraid that that's going to come undone if I don't tie it off and bury the thread. If you use your backing as binding, you can't trail off into the batting Mm -hmm. to keep from having to bury that thread because that's going to show up on your binding. So I don't like to use backing as binding for that reason. I've done it with a few things that people have asked me to do that for. So I don't like to use the backing as binding. And that's why I started that little method that I use where it's kind of a cross between the two. It goes on the same way as if you were to use your backing as binding, but you have to sew the strips on. And so with that one, you usually do see two different pieces of fabric meeting at a corner, especially if you're using a scrappy binding. You don't have to use a scrappy binding for that. I just like to use scrappy binding because I think it looks pretty.
0: Yeah. Now for my fun question, tell me about your worst quilting experience.
1: So the worst quilting experience is probably the quilt that I have on my bed right now. So when we were remodeling our house and I had made some quilts with my grandmother when I was younger, we made both of those by hand. And at the time when I was younger, I thought that using a machine was just cheating. You know, machine quilting is cheating, which, you know, now looking back on that, that was a really naive thing to think. And I hadn't quilted in a while. I had no desire to use a machine. And I made those quilts with my grandmother. And we were going to remodel our house. And my husband was making a lot of the furniture. And I thought, well, if he's making homemade furniture, there needs to be a special quilt on the bed. So I decided I was going to make one. And I hadn't used a sewing machine at that point since probably home ec in high school and then i had to have the guy that sat beside me to thread my needle which i thread my own needle now (laughs) (laughs) so i'm like i'm gonna make this quilt for my bed i made some quilts by hand when i was younger i know what to do so i got a little 50 dollar walmart machine my mom she sews and they had built a house and she bought this little portable machine so she could carry it around easier while they were in that transition from selling their house to living in a temporary space and building their house. So she had that little portable machine. She's like, you can use my little portable machine for your quilt. And I said, do you think it'll work for a quilt? She's like, yeah, sure. So I made a king size quilt on a tiny little Walmart machine. Wow! (laughs) It sounded like a good idea at the time. And it's a hot mess. (laughs) It's a huge mess, but it has lots of character. (laughs) Of course, the ones I've made since then, they're better. But that was probably my worst experience It actually sat unquilted for a long time. I pieced the top fairly quickly because I work at a school, so I'm off during the summers. And I'd done a lot of work on the quilt top during the summer. So I was able to piece the top fairly quickly. But it sat unquilted for a while because I was overwhelmed. How am I supposed to base, logistically, base this gigantic quilt and quilt this gigantic quilt on such a tiny machine? And so finally, I just one day decided, well, I'm going to do it. And got to work on it, got it finished, and it's on my bed now. And the colors are pretty, and I like the pattern that I used. But that was hard <laughs> to quilt a <laughs> quilt that size on a machine
0: that's tiny. Wow! I take it you've gotten a larger machine now.
1: I do. I've got a larger <laughs> machine now. The machine I have now has about an 11 inch throat space, so it's about as big as you can get without upgrading to a lot more.
0: <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Why do you make quilts rather than using your time to do something else? So when I made the
1: king size quilt that was, you know, that's such a hot mess, it was a hot mess, but at the same time, I really enjoyed myself. So I kept coming up with excuses to make more quilts. Well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to make this person a baby quilt and then I won't make any more quilts. Well, you know, I think everybody in the house needs a quilt to carry in the car with them and then I'm, I'm going to stop. And so I just kept finding excuses to make quilts. And then I realized, well, this is actually what I want to do.
0: So let's just give in. (laughs) That also kind of covered who do you make them for? Has that expanded now? So I do make custom order quilts for people. I do have some quilts
1: for sale that they're already ready. It's kind of gotten to be a tradition that since I really got into quilting, if there's a new baby in the family, I make them a quilt typically like my mom and my sister and me will go together to get somebody a nice gift for their baby shower. So they will get the fabric and I'll make the quilt and then it's from all of us. So I make, you know, new babies in the family. People have asked me to make
0: quilts for them, that kind of stuff. And then I do sell to the public too. Do you have a project going on right now? I do have a project going on right now. It's a Christmas tree quilt. And it was a little late for a Christmas tree quilt.
1: A client had found a pattern that she liked and she found the bundle of fabric that she wanted to go with it. And so I made that Christmas tree quilt for her. And when it was finished, I, for whatever reason, decided to post it on my regular private Facebook page. And I had somebody ask me, can I buy that quilt from you? My wife really likes it and I want to give it to her for Christmas. And I told him, I was like, I'm sorry, I can't, you know, this, this quilt is already sold. And he's like, well, I'll pay you more than that person's asking. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. You know, this person, they picked the quilt, you know, they picked the pattern, they picked the fabrics. They basically designed this quilt as like, I can't, I can't do that. And so and he's like, you know, I understand, you know, I understand you can't, you know, can't do that. And then we had looked at the potential of finding similar fabrics to see if I could get them in in time to maybe make that quilt for him for Christmas but the fabrics couldn't arrive in time and then that fabric line that I had made that first one with was already out of I don't know if I don't think it was out of print but it had sold out and they probably weren't going to be getting any more for a long time so there just wasn't a way to recreate that one and then you know, I thought well you know this kind of done and then I saw the guy and he said do you think you can make one even though it's not Christmas anymore And I said, well, we can't get those fabrics that that original one was in. I said, but if you're okay with it not being a surprise, tell her and let her pick out the fabric and I'll take care
0: of ordering it. So um, that's what I'm working on right now. (laughs) Oh, neat. I bet she'll be more happy with that since she picked out the fabric anyway. Yeah,
1: probably so because the color scheme in this one is really different than the one I'd used for the first one. And plus, you know, it makes a -a one-of-a-kind quilt. Yeah. Share a quilting tip. The quilt that I have on my bed that's such a hot mess, when I was cutting the pieces for it, I wanted to get it done. My husband was in the stages of building the bed that I have it on right now. So I wanted it finished in time that we could use it. So I was not taking my time, (laughs) not all that accurate. And for this quilt, I didn't necessarily mind that. But I would say that being accurate. And deliberate, precise with your cutting and your measurements will save so much frustration (laughs) when it comes to piecing. And you know, when you first start making quilts, the quilts I made in high school with my grandmother, I pieced one of them by myself by hand. I sat in my room and drew triangles (laughs) on the fabric and cut it with scissors. (laughs) I just wanted to make a quilt. I didn't care if matched up or not. I think most quilters get to the point where you want stuff to match up. You probably don't care as much at first, but you want stuff to match up. If you just cut accurately in the first place, it saves so much frustration later on.
0: Mm-hmm. And I keep meaning to add that question. Like, what's your sewing space like? Now, some people have a dedicated room for sewing and some people don't. So it's kind
1: of neat to see how people who have a similar setup to you have organized their stuff. And how they've made that space work.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because not everybody can have a dedicated space.
1: Yeah, not everybody can. And even the people who could, that's a big investment. So I think even if you had a basement, Mm -hmm. the equipment to fill a dedicated space, it takes people different amounts of time to get there. If you only make a baby quilt two or three a year, is it really worth the trouble to... I have that set up. Yeah. I have a part of a room. I've got that design really well, but I'm not to the point of construction and building a shop. Right. That kind of thing. Yeah.
0: I think that I have somebody who could build it for me if I, yeah. if I need it. <laughs> When you get to that point. <laughs> yeah. I'm really blessed in that we live in the house that my husband's great-grandparents built. Mm-hmm. and. The sewing room is small, but it was built as a sewing room. So I get to sew in the same room that his great-grandmother sewed in. That is very special. Yeah. That's really neat. Yeah. My grandmother that passed away before I was born,
1: I have recently around, I think it was over summer, my mom and my aunts and my uncles found a bunch of her quilt tops that she had made but never finished. So they all got one. My mom says she's going to finish hers herself. She's never really quilted. But she's been sewing all of her life. So she says she's going to finish hers herself. One of my aunts is hand quilting hers. Well, my uncle, the one that he got, he asked me to finish that quilt for them. So that was a really neat thing to get to finish that quilt for the grandmother that I never met. So it's kind of like I did get to work on a quilt with her. After all, finishing an old quilt is different because most of the fabrics looked like some of them were made out of cotton and probably like grain sacks and feed sacks and stuff but a lot of it was old clothes. So the fabrics are not necessarily cotton. They're not necessarily fabrics that you're used to. It was probably pieced on a treadle machine. (laughs) And my mom thinks that it wasn't even her mom that made it. She thinks it was my great grandmother that made it because it was pretty wonky. And my grandmother was apparently a perfectionist. So like, you know, there's challenges in finishing an old quilt because like they don't lay flat and you have to put tucks and folds in it to get them to lay flat. And, as a quilter, you try to avoid those because it's a mistake. <laughs> to put those in there, it was weird. It was hard to do. It was like to put those in there on purpose to get it to lay flat so I could quilt it. It's just, it just goes against the grain, but it turned out really neat. I made a little handmade label for it. So, you know, the top was made by so and so during her lifetime, finished by her granddaughter, her great granddaughter. I think I put her granddaughter because it was from my uncle. And he said, Well, I think my mama made it. So that's what I want you to put. <laughs> so, They told me what colors they had in mind for the backing and the binding, so they picked that out. So this quilt had went from a quilt top that somebody had washed and messed up the seams and I had to fix seams. So a quilt top that was pretty much can't be used to, after I quilted it, I put it in the washing machine in the dryer and it survived. And now it's a quilt that my uncle's family members can use that, you know, now it's a quilt that they can actually use instead of a quilt top that's falling apart. And
0: hidden in the closet. Wow. That is so neat.
1: I've got some quilts that were made by an aunt and not my grandmother. I can remember my granddad telling me, oh, no, granny didn't make that. Your aunt made this one. And she used a bunch of old dresses. And sometimes people can even remember, oh, that was so-and-so shirt. And that's really neat. And when you're looking at like the old quilts, you can tell they were made out of clothes. They were made out of old clothes. I always wonder, you know, whose dress was that? Whose Whose shirt was that? I just kind of wish I knew that information. Of course, probably some of it, if my grandmother made it, probably a lot of it was my grandfather's clothes. But you don't really know. <laughs> it yeah. could have been a son's clothes. It could be anything. And then also a lot of people made quilts out of flower sacks and feed sacks. So like I can remember people like my aunt saying, Oh, well, I remember this one because she
0: picked out this feed sack because she liked that fabric. <laughs> wow. I was talking to Guthrie's mom's cousin. <laughs> that makes sense. And she was telling me about her quilting. And I thought it was interesting that she said they would piece it one winter and quilt it the next winter. It took them two years to get it done.
1: Yeah, because I mean, if you look at hand stitches and and I look at some of the old quilts that I've seen, I've got some blocks that my great-grandmother made that my aunt had found. I ended up just soaking them in the bathtub with some Blue Dawn because they had been sitting in an attic for probably years. And I didn't want to put them in the washing machine because putting unfinished quilt tops or blocks in the washing machine, they're not going to survive, especially fabric that's that old so I soaked them in the bathtub with blue dawn and then just rinsed them out really good and let them hang to dry but I actually interfaced the blocks and trimmed them all to the same size but when I was looking at the piecing some of the seams don't come together they're just a hot mess but then in some places the stitching looks great in some places you can tell they were in a hurry so I kind of wonder some of the people did they really enjoy this or did they just do it because they had to And then also like when you find blocks, why did they not finish? Were they just using scraps and collecting as they go and they never got enough before they got to the point where they couldn't quilt anymore? So I just always wonder, you know, why was this person able to finish it? Like when my grandmother off my mom's side, she, you know, she passed away when she was 46. She probably
0: didn't think she was going to get sick and made a bunch of quilt tops expecting to get to finish them, you know? Yeah. Describe how you went. From doing quilting as a hobby and making quilts for yourself to it becoming a business?
1: So, when I first started making quilts, I had bought a bunch of fabrics. I had bought some fabrics to make some little throw size rag quilts for everybody in my house to take with us on a road trip that we were going on. And I had bought a lot of the fabrics online. And the place I ordered from was requiring two yard increments for most things. So if I needed two and a half yards, I had a lot left over. I had been looking for excuses to keep sewing. So I thought, well, I'll use a lot of these extra pieces, this leftover fabric, these scraps and make some quilts. And I thought, well, I would just post them on Etsy and see if they sell. And a lot of those at first were little flannel rag quilts. And when I first posted them on Etsy, I did not know anything about the SEOs. And how to get stuff visible. And I only had like four or five little quilts posted on there. So I just posted up there to see if they sold. And it took a while before they started to sell. And then I'd kind of gotten to the point where I was like, well, I just can't sell stuff on Etsy. So I started putting stuff on Poshmark. And on Poshmark, I had people asking me, well, can you make this or can you make that? And Poshmark isn't necessarily designed for custom orders because you can't take money up front, but I did it anyway. And I think there's only ever been one person to have me make them a custom quilt and then they end up not buying it. So it's worked out okay. So I was kind of starting to focus more on the Poshmark. I started putting listings up on Etsy. Somebody had told me you would do better off on Etsy if you have a few more listings because the more listings you have, the more likely people are to find your site. So I started making listings for custom orders and using the stuff that I'd already sold as custom orders on Poshmark as the sample picture for these custom orders and just give myself more listings. And it worked. I started getting more traffic and was able to start selling more stuff on Etsy, but I still probably sell just as much on Poshmark as I do on Etsy. I have a client on Poshmark who probably has more of my quilts than me, and she's super fun to work with. She loves to pick out fabrics. She loves to find patterns. She's found a lot, of, a lot of pretty fabrics and designed a lot of cool quilts that I've been able to make for her. So it's really been a blessing working with that person. So I really didn't do as well on Etsy at first. And then that started to pick up just the more I've been working on it.
0: Oh, neat. I don't think I've heard of Poshmark. So Poshmark is actually, it started out as a place to sell
1: uh, mostly clothing. But then they've added other categories. So they have home goods categories. A lot of people that sell on Poshmark are selling high end clothing that is used so people can get at a cheaper price. And there are some people who will go to thrift stores and things like that and buy clothing
0: and then sell it on Poshmark. Oh, wow. So tell me the name of your business and how you came up with that. So it's called
1: Snugglebug Stitching. The Snugglebug is named after my son. He was eight at the time when I first decided I would throw some quilts up on at C and C if they sold. And I always called him a Snugglebug, and he would say, I like being called a Snugglebug and held. So I named that after him. I thought that would just be a cute little name. I think my shop was originally called Snugglebug Rag Quilts. And i decided to change it because I didn't want to limit myself to just that style of quilt. I was going to put Snugglebug quilts and Etsy wouldn't let me use that. I don't know if it was taken. So I was going to put snuggle bug stitches and snuggle bug stitches. I don't know if it was taken or what, but they wouldn't let me use that. So I changed it to snuggle bug
0: stitching and they let me use it. And I've kept it ever since. That's great. And you said you opened that Etsy shop two years ago. It was in January of 2020. So yeah, almost exactly two years ago. Well, share how exciting it was when you sold that first quilt, when you had your first customer.
1: I was so excited. I had, at that point, already had some people asking me to make them some custom quilts on the Poshmark site. So I was working on getting the fabrics together for that, working with those people to make sure they liked the design. So I was already really excited that people had seen some of the stuff that I had posted And felt that I could make them what they wanted based on seeing some of the stuff that I posted. So I was already really excited about those kind of changes. But then I was actually, my husband and my kids play golf a lot. And I usually go with them. But that day I had decided to go to a nearby trail. I had been running on the trail. And I had gotten to the point where I was going to stop and walk for a little bit. And I happened to pull my phone up and check it. And I saw my little Poshmark news feed that someone had bought one of my quilts. I was so excited. And at the same time, also nervous. Oh, what what if they don't like it when they get it? (laughs) And then when the item arrived and the person reviewed it and gave a good review, I was so excited. It's like, she bought my quilt and she likes my quilt.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Those are such exciting times. It is. (laughs) And to think you were all by yourself, you didn't get to share it with them. Well, I actually, the trail that I was at was really
1: close to where they were on the golf course. And I knew they were probably wrapping up. So I just walked to them on the golf course. <laughs> and I texted and I said, what hole are you on? And they were on the nearest hole to where I was. It was just a coincidence. So they were on the nearest hole to where
0: I was. So I'm like, I sold a quilt. <laughs> How neat. I wasn't sure before we started talking if you made the quilts and then sold them or if people... Picked out what they wanted, so you've explained a bit about that. But how would someone go about finding you to let you know that they want a special order? So uh,
1: I've used both Poshmark and Etsy. Etsy has the conversation line where somebody can come to your shop and they can click on the button. I think it looks like mail, but they can click on that and they can give you a direct conversation as to what they want. They could click on a certain custom listing. And message you from there as well. And I always put in all my Etsy listings that if you don't like the colors, if you don't like some of the prints, I can work with you to make sure we get fabrics that you do like. So people can message me through there to tell me this is what I want. And I have had people do that. I've had people send me pictures of old quilts that they wanted to kind of copy that color scheme So I've went through and tried to find fabrics that kind of give the same feel as that quilt. I've had people ask for certain types of prints. They can message me through there. And Poshmark has the same. They can comment on your other listings and ask for, you know, can you make something similar to this? And then what I do in that case is I make a new listing for whatever that person wants. And that gives us a place that we can comment back and forth. And I can show pictures of what it looks like. They can say yes to a fabric, no to a fabric. And I also have a Facebook page. I have my Snugglebug Stitching Facebook page. And I have had people ask me about quilts through there. I've had people ask me on my private Facebook page where I just decide I want to post a quilt. I've had people ask, are you selling them? Can you make me one? So there's a lot of avenues that I've had. I do have Instagram as well. And I had some people approach me on Instagram at times. Well, that goes into my last question there
0: where to find business. So you have Instagram, you have Facebook, and then you have a blog also. I do. I guess that's
1: another one of my hobbies. <laughs> I thought it would be fun to start posting some blog articles. They're a little bit of everything. I've got, I've got a free pattern that I just put on the blog. I've got some tutorials here and there. I've got some that are just, hey, I made this quilt. This is what I did on this quilt. So it's just a lot of different stuff on the blog.
0: Are you designing patterns also?
1: I have three patterns that are in my Etsy shop. So I turned 40 this year and I had this fabric that I had bought on an impulse. And I was looking, you know, what I want to do with this. And it had a lot of oranges and blacks and greens in the fabric line. It was quotation by Moda. And I thought, well, I'll make a pumpkin pattern out of that. <laughs> so and I was like, it's going to be my 40th birthday present that this is going to be released in time for my 40th birthday. I planned to release it on my 40th birthday, but I ended up getting excited and releasing
0: it the (laughs) night before. Is there anything else you wanted to share, Sarah?
1: I know one of the questions on the email had asked about, do I make custom orders or do I have things ready to sell? Yeah. I do both. A lot of the stuff that I have ready to sell are stuff that I had made Like, I have one quilt that's on there on my Etsy shop ready to sell now that I've used like four times for blog posts. Like, a post on this is a tutorial for how to make the top, and this is a tutorial for how I did the backing. (laughs) And and I have the pattern that I've got free on the blog right now. The quilt that I made, where I guess where I tested the pattern, (laughs) that one's on there. So, a lot of the quilts that I have made for sale were made for a purpose. And then, you know, I can't keep all the quilts because they would be be everywhere, nowhere to put them. Some of the stuff are custom orders and some of them are stuff that I've made for whatever reason and decided to put it up on the site.
0: Oh, neat. So there are other ones besides custom orders that people can find on your site?
1: Yes, there's both ready to ship stuff and then there's custom order stuff. And then I've got most of the listings say something In the listing for the ready to ship, most of them will say, if you want different colors, let me know. If someone said, hey, I really like that quilt, but I'd rather have
0: it in blue or I'd rather have it in pink. I could do that. Mm -hmm. Neat. Well, Sarah, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.